Welcome to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast with your hosts, Corndog and Eric. And we are back, everybody. The Desert Dirt Biker Podcast, episode number 71, August 9th, 2022. I'm Corndog, your co-host, sitting here with my other co-host, Eric. Hey, hey, hey. What a show we got tonight. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Let's uh, go over a little current events, I guess. What, what's what been going on? Um, not much. Not a whole lot, man. Uh, Vegas Torino's coming up, so I've been helping a couple buddies do some logistics for that. Um, yeah, how's it I'm not feel racing that, it. Yeah, how's it feel that you're not racing it? It's weird, man. First time in four or five years that I haven't been basically in full prep mode this week, getting ready to get on a bike. So I'm just kind of chill mode. Uh, it got me a little bit fired up when they called me and asked for some help with their pit strategy so these guys are from uh up in park city utah they're coming down to race i think the i think the 50 over class um anyway good luck to those guys and uh everybody else that's racing it it's going to be a little bit wild wet, wet. wet rain rutted sketchy dangerous. use your heads use your heads out there guys yeah for sure this one could bite you if you're not paying attention so um be cautious. Use your head. Anyway, Vegas Torino. Um, not sure what's happening there. Heard maybe some rumors that it's going to be shortened due to some course, course changes, changes and stuff. So we'll see how that all plays out. But um, aside from that, not a whole lot going on. Just I've been out in the shop building bikes. I got my my uh, my daughter's KX65 pulled the motor put it on the bench split the case rebuilt the motor on that so she's been antsy to to go riding so i've been focused on trying to get that done we got corn dog's head we're still waiting on yeah yeah for the and, honda and um, i got a couple more bikes in there to work on so i got i got a bit of work in the shop how about you yeah i haven't been on the dirt bike in the last couple weeks since my little road trip been doing other things uh i do have a wheel bearing out in the rear tire the rear rim part just showed up so i'll be doing that shortly i'm not, I'm not surprised with all the riding you've been putting in <laughs> wearing out wheel bearings and stuff right been spending a lot of time on the mountain bike and the road bicycle uh it's awesome was up at the cabin in duck creek utah the last four days or so and uh rode around navajo lake mountain bike one day i did the mountain bike with the dog and then took her to the moto van, parked her inside, and jumped on the road bicycle and rode around the lake. So, um, corn dogs about got me inspired to quit my job and just <laughs> jump in the moto van as a world traveler. Uh, Only problem is I got, uh, you know, house payment, kids, wife, you know, the the whole priorities thing. I don't know what any of that is anymore. I don't know how you do it, dude. Living the dream, right? Yeah. So. Um, Getting ready to fire up Halloween season. I work for the big haunted houses in Vegas, so we've already been working with that a little bit. But after Halloween season, I think I'm getting in the moto van and heading towards Georgia, the south, and uh, do some riding and racing with my brother. He races the Sorks 
series, and I guess their series starts in November. So um, go get some wet, muddy dirt racing in. See what happens. Nice. That sounds fun. Uh, got well, a hold been... of my buddy at the Pin Motorsports that does my graphics, and uh, we're designing some partial wrap for the moto van. Nice. Nice. So waiting to hear on that. I still need to get mine done. I've just kind of been waiting, but yeah, I need to find somebody that can do a good one. So let me know how that goes. Maybe yeah. I'll jump on board. Heck yeah. But uh man, it's been uh it's been raining here every day almost for like the last two or three weeks. We've had rain almost every day, if not every other day. So right. I went out for a good ride last weekend. Um pulled a corn dog. Yeah. I don't know. I I don't even know what happened. I I hit the only rock in the wash <laughs> and ended up on my head. Anyway, I I never saw it. Is the way it blended in the sun something the lighting but i never saw it and clipped a pretty good rock and ended up on my head man ended up with a six-day headache and uh some road rash from hip to head so horrible but you're still breathing walking here. doing yeah. a podcast so. yeah can't keep me down <clears throat> yeah i showed up here tonight and walked in derek opens the door real fast front door he goes we're canceling the podcast tonight we're going riding <laughs> Dude, it's rained all day long, on and off, just just enough to soak everything, but not too much where it's flooding. So, and that's crazy. Just thirteen Killer. miles down the street in Calais, no rain. Dries a bone, huh? Yeah, yeah. It kind of sprinkled it as I was leaving tonight, but other than that, um, let's uh, get our guests on tonight. Um, I'm like a giddy little schoolgirl, pretty, pretty amped up about these guys. Um, not only are they my heroes, I'm sure they are heroes to many, L true legends. We've got Scott Hardin and Johnny Campbell coming on, and they're going to tell and touch a little bit on their stories. We could probably talk for so, months. Yeah, I mean, these guys, like Corndog said, I mean, l true legends. But on top of that, have probably been instrumental in pioneering desert racing and off-road racing in the U.S. Maybe more than any other possible candidate that I can think at this time. Uh, maybe Casey Folks would run up there with those guys. Um, I'm sure there's a few others, but these two guys have, th throughout their careers, been instrumental in in desert off-road racing, developing and, and developing and 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 advancing equipment and raising the bar for competition and so many ways so many things um i mean I, i'm i'm stoked i i can't wait to capture their history here on the desert dirt biker podcast um and just get the opportunity to to hear their story you know yeah and i guarantee we're just going to touch touch the little bit of the iceberg of their stories and primarily the main reason we're bringing them on is their big events coming up but the second annual handstands 100 mile per hour, um, gonna 
here a little bit more in detail with that, but it's celebrating and a reunion of past desert racing and to the present and hopefully promote, promote it and to the honor future. current clubs and promoters of of off-road events so yeah super cool stuff um these guys are continue to to push the envelope with off-road racing and and promotion of it and keeping it alive and they they live it they breathe it they love it just as we do heck yeah and with that being said let's go get our heroes on the phone all right all right give us a second we'll be right back All right, everybody, Corndog and Eric here. We have our guests on the phone, Scott Harden and Johnny Campbell. What's up, guys? How are you guys doing? Hey, guys, really excited to be here on the show. Thank you so much for uh, inviting us on. And, yeah, we're just uh, we're getting pumped. we got a cool event coming, and uh, thank you so much for uh, having us here. Yeah, I'm like a little giddy schoolgirl. Got a couple of my heroes on the phone and uh, pretty excited. <laughs> well, you guys are our heroes, Eric and Corn Dog, especially when it comes to Nevada 200 time. Right? Uh, you guys yeah. are always there for me for the Nevada 200 and help me pull that off every year. So you guys are, are heroes in my book. Well, thank you. That that makes me feel pretty good. <laughs> um, so. I got a quick story, Johnny, and I don't know if you've heard this. We've talked about it a little bit on our show before, but this whole podcast deal that we're doing is kind of your fault. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so a, a couple of years ago, I came over to Eric's house. We were in the shop working dirt bikes, and he had a podcast going on, and it you were on the podcast, and I had never heard a podcast before, and I didn't even want to work on bikes. I just sat there and listened, and uh, – I said, man, we need to do this. So the rest is history, and here we are. Well, that's yeah. cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad I influenced you in some capacity, but I don't know if it was good or not. Sorry. <laughs> uh, I think it's turning out really good. It's turning out bigger and better than we expected, and it's growing every day. Well, I, yeah. I heard something like 39 different countries and over Dang. 22 or 25,000 different listeners and yeah, some pretty pretty impressive numbers and reach there, guys. Yeah, Kudos nice. you guys. Pretty impressive for a bunch of desert donkeys. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> well, especially Lincoln County, Lincoln County desert donkeys. Right, Lincoln, Lincoln County flunkies. <laughs> uh, uh, well, heck, well, let's um enlighten our listeners a little bit. I guess we'll start with you, Scott, and just. Give us a little bit of your background and tell us who you are and maybe how you got into dirt bikes and, and just a quick little history lesson. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm happy to do so. You know, it's, it's been so long ago that I started, I mean, I've been riding for uh, almost 56 years now and, you know, I was born and raised in Las Vegas and out in Vegas Valley, Paradise Valley. Not much to do out there in the 60s and 70s growing up, but there was a lot of desert around there. And, you know, I begged and pleaded until I got my grandparents who raised me to get me a mini bike. I started riding my backyard and my sphere of influence just kept getting bigger and bigger. 
you know, growing up back then, there were things like the mid 400, there were Moran races, there was Barca to Vegas and the Snore 250, and they all took place in the valley. And, you know, when we were growing up, we literally rode our motorcycles over to the, to watch those races, you know, and so I was heavily influenced at a very young age by desert racers and watching guys like Jay and Roberts and Max Schweitzer and Casey Folks and Tom Scale, you know, all of the top guys from California and the local guys racing. And so it got me racing and I, you know, I grew up to the Moran ranks and, you know, earned a number one plate in the 125 class and then the 250 class and then the open class. I think I'm the, first rider ever to win a number one plate in all three classes in Moran. My my horizons grew from there until I was racing in Baugh, winning down there regularly and competing for overalls at score events and having some great success there uh, over the years. I had a few, you know, five great years with Brent Wallingsford. We won a bunch of races, uh, score races, Las Vegas 400s. Uh, a lot of team events together. We were very effective as a team. So went on to do six days several different times. Was on the World Trophy team in 82 and rode for my country there. And, you know, I just kept expanding. For me, it was always about taking that next step to something different and new. And and the longer the race, the tougher the race, the greater the distance, the more remote the setting, the more dangerous, I guess, the more... I was attracted to it and eventually I ended up doing rallies. I was one of the first Americans to go to Africa and do rallies in North Africa and, and, uh, and actually ended up winning a rally over there in 87 was the first American to win a, uh, a raid rally in North Africa. And then, uh, you know, but at the same time I did all that guys, I've had a, a great career in the industry an executive management career for companies like Husqvarna and KTM and, zero motorcycle. So I've been blessed to combine all of that stuff into a, you know, uh, my hobby, my passion for racing, uh, my career in the industry, my family, you know, my wife is Jack Johnson's sister. So, uh, you know, I've got, uh, Jack's my brother-in-law. So I've got a real strong connection there to the sport through that. I mean, my sons were, uh, great racers in their own right and did quite a bit work in the industry now. So, you know, here I am some 50 years down the road, just enjoying the sport as much or more than ever and, and trying to give back when I can and just having a really good time with it and doing events on my own, like the Nevada 200 trail ride and this handstands at 100 event that John and I uh, will, will, are looking forward to sharing with you a little bit about that. And that kind of brings me up to today, but uh, you know, two wheels of, you know, and desert racing has been my life. And I've been very fortunate to be a part of some, all the big races of the day, the Barstow to Vegas the mid four hundreds, the Baja 1000s, the check chases, all of that stuff, you know, and, and race with some of the best racers ever in the sport. So truly, truly blessed, truly blessed. Johnny. Yeah. Hey guys. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, that's pretty awesome, Scott. And, and it's, it's interesting to, to hear like Scott's story and, and, uh, just a, in brief and see how much, how many things I parallel with, with Scott and his, his passion and, and stuff for two wheels and the desert and, and desert racing. And, uh, you know, we came from 
obviously two different directions. He's like, Scott was a generation ahead of me as were a lot of my men, other mentors and stuff. And now, you know, I get to partner with uh, a legend like Scott um, on these things. And I love, I love learning from him and uh, he's really organized. And uh, so a lot of, uh, a lot of respect for, for Scott and uh, all the accolades he has and, and the pioneering ship that he did and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I, you know, I was a beach kid. I grew up in San Clemente, California, and we were, I went to the beach every day. And, uh, but my dad raced and rode motorcycles and we went to the desert on the weekends and camped. And, you know, by certainly by 13 years old, like my passion for two wheels was super heavy when I only lived 150 yards from the ocean and surfed every day. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I really enjoyed riding two wheels and motorcycles and so i started racing at uh you know an early age of 13 and then really started he- more heavily pursuing it around 16 um <clears throat> but like when i was 16 i lost my father suddenly he passed away and so that mm-hmm. was like a really big blow wow. to, to me as a, a a kid that you know i followed his his uh his journey and, and his construction business and, and then, you know, riding and stuff. And then, uh, so, but my mom really, she knew like from my brother and myself, um, that motorcycles was a good outlet. And so she continued to help support us. And we worked every single day after school and earn every dime just to, you know, get to the races or go to the desert on the weekend and, you know, just scrapping together and, uh, but really like my, my racing comes from, uh, my race experience came from like a Grand Prix motocross background. And I didn't, I didn't race a lot of motocross until I was like 16, but, um, I did like Grand Prix and was introduced to that in early age and riding SRAs and some district 37 stuff. And then slowly got, became interested in racing district 37 races and, uh, desert races and was introduced to Baja by, uh, Craig Adams. He was kind of the known as the guy that wore brown all the time back in the seventies and eighties. And, uh, he was, uh, kind of my hero and from San Clemente. And, uh, so he took me under his wing and I chased him around in the Grand Prix. He introduced me to, to Baja when I was 17, took me down pre-running. And once I, once I did that, I was like, the bug bit me and it was like, I gotta, I gotta pursue this. This is awesome. And, uh, so I started racing, uh, in Baja around 1990, 91. And, um, on a CR250 Honda, I was always a Honda guy and <laughs> built a relationship with Bruce who was running the Honda program at the time. And, um, and he, uh, you know, one one time we it was a '92 San Felipe 250, and my brother and I and my friend Dave Donatoni we we waxed the 250 class pretty hard, and that was about the time that Honda was kind of Bruce was really trying to push into the Honda program and, and rebuilding it because um, they've had a they had a dynasty in the '80s, you know, for a while down in Mexico, and and I was 20, 21 years old, and just you know so i started a a relationship there and he uh he actually um 
met with us when I was 21 and he's like, Hey, you guys want to race XRs? Cause you know, they were like the first company to really <laughs> pursue four strokes in off road. Cause that was their thing. Honda was a, a company that was like, well, four strokes are off road bikes. And you know, we were, we were battling the two stroke KTMs and Cowies and stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, I, I'll ride an XR. No problem. I just wanted, <laughs> I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to race, you know? I'll right. Race. And I love the brand and, and stuff. So Bruce, you know, reluctantly kind of took me on and knew he had to put some new blood into the youth and um, started racing for, for American Honda in 1992. And, uh, and really uh, Bruce took me under his wing for 17 years and taught me race tactics and setting up bikes and testing and um, eventually hired me full time in, in the shop at American Honda in by the end of 94. And the program was so small that I became the, the mechanic, the guy that built the bikes, the guys that loaded the trucks, the, you know, there wasn't much budget there, but he said, if you want to do this, here's a way we can do it. And so he started paying me, you know, like 14 bucks an hour to work in the shop and, and do all this. That's cool. And, and so Johnny, from, Johnny, yeah, I yeah. mean, not, not a lot of people know, but you know, that program was really run as a backdoor program at American Honda for a long time, Correct. all because of Bruce. I mean, strictly Correct. through Bruce's strength of how to figure out how to get stuff done, you know, without going maybe through the front door, but maybe through a side door at Honda. And what a lot of people don't know is that program, you guys built that thing kind of, out of sticks and stems and yeah it was the the, the Honda two-wheel off-road desert racing program was really a sidebar to atc racing so in the early 80s the atcs were so big i mean bruce was t told me back then he goes bruce came into american honda as a two-wheel racer but they're like hey Here's where here's what we can do. We'll make you an ATC race team coordinator. You're going to manage a 1.2 million dollar budget in the early 80s to race ATCs. Mm -hmm. And so they would have this whole program nationwide in Baja to race ATCs and so Bruce would say, "Okay, well, we got all the pits in place. How about Chuck and I just race a bike too?" So they just put the bike in like like uh Scott was saying through the back door. It was just a side project. And that's the way they did it and got the two wheel side done was through that for a long time. And so <laughs> when ATCs went away, um, Bruce and Chuck had to figure out how to keep it going and how, how do we keep pursuing this? And that's why I said, like in the early nineties, when I came in, Bruce was really, you know, scraping two sticks together to, make it happen there wasn't really an official off-road racing program at that time and so we you know we started and and that's where you know he had me come in and said hey we can we can get this done but you know you got to work in the shop and you're not going to be <laughs> you know you're not you're not going to be a professional racer where you're going to the track every day going to the desert every day it's like i commuted to torrance from san clemente for 12 years building helping bruce build this program and he was you know he is so savvy so smart on how to how to get this done 
and we slowly built it, you know, and I, we bit, brought in a couple of praise partners and eventually like Steve Hengeveld became like my dominant partner, like, like Wallingsford was to Harden, like Hengeveld was to me. And we, you know, we were a team that we came together and, you know, uh, Hengey cut his teeth in the B team for a couple of years and was like, okay, move them up. And then we started dominating. And uh, that was also particular to the development of the XR650 because we, we designed that bike to crush the KX500. And when Hengey and I got that bike and we started racing it and we, you know, figured out how to gel and the team gelled. And by that time we had all the pit people in place and, and everything was running really cleanly um we got the bike finally and then you know we started started knocking at the door and we started winning and that was uh you know that was a really well, good era an amazing era of, uh, for Honda, and if, so. and johnny if i could interject really quick because i'm a bit of a historian myself about the whole sport i did a I did an article for cycle news about the top five teams in the history of Baja desert racing. And, uh, I went strictly by numbers of wins and, uh, no surprise here. Well, maybe to some, but I mean, Johnny and Steve were the, the winningest two rider team in the history of the sport. Uh, they had a total of 16 overall wins. Wow. Uh, between, uh, you know, I, I was between the, from the early 2000s into the, you know, the, the all through the 2000s, the aughts there, they pretty much dominated. And, I mean, Baja 1000s and Baja 500s and San Felipe 250s and Vegas Torinos and Parker 250s and Terrible Towns and everything else, they had a total of combined overalls of 16 wins, and that's which was quite a record. And you have to remember, that was an era, too, when, some guys were doing with three, four, and five-man teams, which, mm. you know, could be considered an advantage, especially in the long races. You break the sections down. And uh, Johnny and Steve went old school, uh, much to my, uh, you know, kudos to those guys for, for you know, a kind of reflection of Bruce's mentality, yeah. uh, old-school mentality about it. But they did that all through the 2000s. And, the second place team to them in terms of overall wins as a team was Ashcraft and Smith. And, uh, they had, uh, I think they had a total of 13 overall victories. Uh, you know, they just dominated there for about a three or four year period. Johnny's and Steve's was over a little bit longer period of time, but Ashcraft and Smith were second on that list. And then to just to, you know, beat my own drum, Brent and I were third. We, uh, uh-huh. Ended up with uh, <laughs> we had uh, we had uh, right around I think it was eight or nine wins as a team together, just ahead of Jack and LR uh, as a team, and then in the fifth was Chuck and Bruce. But wow. uh, man, they Johnny and Steve were a wrecking crew there for a very long period of time. I just figured I'd throw that in there. But, <laughs> amazing, that, yeah, super amazing. Well, and to hear yeah. where that program came from, you know, out of uh, from scratch, and and you guys built that up to a, a dynasty. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. It's it's you know, it's just like you had a lot of the perception was so different from the outside of what really was happening inside the team and whatever you know. But 
it was like it was there was a lot it was you know it was all on bruce for sure but i was the the workhorse of the program and uh we and we got it done you know and uh but yeah i mean it not to toot my own horn or anything like that because every single win and, and everything to me is, is a team effort. I mean, it's like with Bruce coordinating or, um, you know, our, our pit support people being there and, and all in the right place all the time and stuff. And, you know, so, you know, when I was, uh, my whole goal when I was younger was to win the thousand and then two came and then three came and then it was like, well, how much longer are we going to do this? Well, yeah, we got five. And I'm like, I go, Hey Bruce, let's, let's go after LR's record. You know, LR had, <laughs> LR had 10. I said, I, you know, at that point I was still really good and young and fit and stuff. And so we went for it and, and I had nine Baja 1000s in a row before I got beat. I got second. And then I came back and won my 10th to tie LR. And then, uh, to eclipse it, I, I went on to, uh, win my 11th. And then by that time I was pretty used up and, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, and, and, you know, LR they talk about a guy that set the bar in, in all sorts of disciplines, you know, and, uh, an amazing guy and still, still active, still winning races in the four world sector, you know? And, uh, so he's, he's one of our, our, community you know he's, he's part of our our desert racing legend community and and i have so much respect for him and and all his accolades and stuff and uh but it was fun you know i i gotta say that era was amazing and and uh since then i you know i when bruce was uh sick and and then uh we we decided to work on a program to take the off-road team satellite for so i had more flexibility to to do things and sponsorships and things like that was uh, around 08, uh, 07, 08, and 09. And so we took it to, and we started JCR Honda uh, or JCR, or, sorry, Johnny Campbell Racing. And um, and so Honda said, no problem. We're going to back this. We like it. Um, and so since 2008, um, Johnny Campbell Racing has been running Honda's off-road racing team in all sorts of different disciplines. And uh, so I continued to, after Bruce had passed, I'd continued to pursue Baja for seven more years and we dominated and guys like Kendall Norman and Quinn Cody and Timmy Wigan and Colton Udall and all those guys came up through the program and, and we dominated Baja and that was our, our pursuit, you know, and, uh, and then since then, you know, I've, I've branched out into multiple different things and the skills that Bruce taught me about testing and development, I've, I've, put that in now into honda's production line of crfs on the off-road side um so i do a, a fair share of production <clears throat> testing and development with honda r&d in japan and really the the big one that's been i've actually been uh, a part of since the rebirth is of their dakar rally program uh when they started pursuing that in 2012 they looked around at the honda assets and said well here's Johnny. He's got a program. He knows the desert. He's been to Dakar. Um, you know, let's, let's consult him on how to get things done. And so for the last 10 years, um, JCR has been, uh, supporting HRC and, uh, their rally bike development, uh, durability testing. Um, I've been to Dakar, uh, I think 10 times now with the team 
And uh, mm-hmm. so they, they are still continuing to use me even, even this day today. <laughs> We're in the <laughs> middle of the big durability test. And uh, so, uh, and also that's uh, gone into rider development. So I, I've done rider training with uh, the rally riders every year. Um, come over here and we set up routes and road books and we do our fair share of training. Um, and probably one of the biggest things I, one of my accolades that I want to claim is that uh, I helped uh, Ricky Brayback uh, be the first American to ever win the Dakar rally uh, in 2020. And so wow. I, I, I take that. Uh, that's a, that's a real big, big one that uh, experience that I had in, in my life and my career that I really take strongly to heart that, uh, you know, I was able to help him do that. Yeah. That's amazing. Hmm. you you going back to Dakar this year uh yeah i'm i'm uh, slated to go back with the team um and you know my role there, there is uh rider advisory and rider support and you know i i uh obviously i do the durability testing with these guys and so you know from there they they make a lot of uh plans and maintenance <laughs> schedules and stuff with the bikes and so the bike side, I kind of keep a, a thumb on, but mostly they got that handled. And then, uh, but really, you know, in pursuit of, of making sure the riders are handled and what they need. And as the race unfolds, uh, helping them develop strategies and, you know, uh, just facilitating that form and driving around a motorhome around the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. It's, it's been a, it's been a wild career and, uh, and it just keeps getting better. And, you know, thank God that, uh, like Scott, I have a, an awesome wife that's uh, taken multiple sacrifices for time being gone, time pursued on the bikes and testing and development. And, you know, Faye, Faye my wife of 29 years as of two days ago. Um, mm. uh, yeah, she's been my, my foundation to be able to for me to have a job where I play with dirt bikes every single day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, Johnny, but, uh, you know, bringing up a pretty fast young guy, too, there in the household. That's yeah. a testament to a good woman. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and also uh, another anniversary I have this year, uh, 2022, is that I've actually been with American Honda and Honda Motors uh, for 30 years this year. Wow. So <laughs> that racing, awesome. ri- racing, riding, testing, consulting, you name it. Yeah. That's working great. In the, working in the workshop, sweeping floors. Yeah. <laughs> I still sweep floors. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> uh, and like Scott said, you have a fast one coming up, making a name for himself, your son. Yep, Preston is uh, well on his way in, in pursuit of desert racing and and enjoying that. Um, unfortunately, he had a big setback uh, here at the end of May. Um, he had a big get off at a National Hare and Hound out in Ridgecrest. Mm. Um, he, he's on his way, uh, well on his way of uh, recovery. Um, he did uh, fracture T6, Ooh. and uh, he was very fortunate um, and... Uh, you know, thank God, God has other plans for him and he's walking around and hiking already and doing things like that. Uh, but he, he's on his way to recovery and it'll take, uh, you know, several months for him to regain his strength and, 
confidence before he wants to pursue riding again. And but uh, like I said, very fortunate, very blessed. Um, he's uh, he's all intact and uh, he gets to play another day. Well, that's good. We send him our best. Yeah, thank you. And you said you're in Barstow testing right now, right? Yeah, we were kind of finalizing a durability test this week, and then uh, we'll pursue uh, some suspension testing next week for the same program. Okay. How's the weather over there? It's been actually a pretty mild uh, temperature-wise. Uh, the last couple of days we had flash floods in the afternoon. <laughs> uh, today was a little drier, but still under 100 degrees so it's been actually for our durability test history it's been the coolest one so far so happy with that nice <laughs> <laughs> and uh both you guys when was the last race you actually raced in <laughs> yeah well that's well, easy that's easy for me my last uh race was the 2007 Baja 500 uh, that I went and rode that with my uh, oldest son Brent uh, and uh, Mike Lafferty Mike Lafferty wanted to race Baja you know a seven or eight time national or seven time national enduro champion uh, wanted to race down there and uh, I uh, we put together a team and went down in 2007 to thanks to dust of glory was the biggest Baja 500 ever. They had something <laughs> yeah. like uh, 250 motorcycle teams. Wow. And, uh, we rode in class 21 and, uh, we did really well. Brent put in a hell of a ride. He got us the lead. Uh, we were running in the top three or four overall, uh, uh, gave the bike, gave the bike to Mike and then Mike uh, crashed pretty hard. <laughs> and, huh. uh, lost some time uh his comment afterwards you know he says i crashed a lot in enduros and now i crashed in baja and uh there's a big difference between crashing in baja and crashing in an enduro and i said well what's that mike he says well while you're crashing you have a lot longer to think about it <laughs> yeah, yeah, your speed's said, a little bit higher at speed, it kind of unfolds in slow motion, whereas in enduro, if you're doing 20 miles an hour and you hit the ground, it's pretty quick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But he got pretty hard. Anyway, we ended up uh, fifth or sixth overall and second in class 21 that year. Got beat by a minute and a half. Oh. And uh, other than that, we that was my last, uh, last uh race for me was 2007 and that would have brought me to a full 45 years of racing professionally from the uh, early 70s uh, when i started my first professional race was in 1972 at the snore 250 uh, wow. i got second in the 125 class i got beat my partner jlra and i got beat by tom and scales and casey fultz by 14 seconds wow <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was the first lesson there. So, uh, and then I, I won my first professional race there the next year, the 1973 Snore 250. So, 2007. Awesome. Since then, it's just been adventure rides, trail rides, and uh, trainings. Uh, I do rider training in different programs, but my own events and things like that. Johnny, what was yes. your last? Oh, well, 
I did a sprint enduro this year, actually, in the 50 class out of District 37. So I actually won that in the 50 class. I hadn't raced for, I don't know, well over a year. Uh, before that, I raced a, a Grand Prix at uh, Lake Havasu, um, you know, a couple years ago. But uh, Well, you did Takati, last... too, remember? You did Takati uh, last That's December. Right. I was there. I pitted for I you. Actually, I actually <laughs> suffered through Takati Enduro last December. <laughs> I totally prepared wrong. I was dehydrated. I was cramping. But actually, Takati is one of my favorite <laughs> events. And I never really rode that in my prime or anything. And um, But uh, I was always pretty – by the time it rolled around December, I was so done after racing all year and racing the 1,000. I just wanted to take time off. But now, Takati's like my thing. Like, I want to go race that thing every year. And, but I use racing as a, a loose term nowadays, you know, it's like, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've had a great career and I, I've, you know, won a lot of races, thank God. And, uh, and was pretty safe. And, uh, so now I just like to enjoy, you know, getting work out and having fun and just, you know, keep doing two wheel stuff, especially going on some rides with Scott. And, uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll continue to do a little bit of racing here and there and, uh, but uh, not, nothing too serious. Hmm. Yeah, you guys' story is awesome. And I, we could probably spend weeks recording you and stories and, and <laughs> yeah. things you guys have done and seen. It's just, it's amazing. So, Johnny, I got a question for you, um, if you want to answer it. But there's a, there's a story about you and a bulletproof vest down in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> well... I can, uh, yeah, I can elaborate on this story. In, <laughs> in, in, in 1998, 1998, I was pre-running oh, the, yeah. the Mike's Loop up around, you know, you go up, up Mike's Road back down to Trinidad. It's part of the Baja 500 that year. It was on a Tuesday. Um, I usually pre-ran that loop by myself, no problem. Had my truck and my driver down in Trinidad and uh, was riding up Mike's road and you're always looking ahead. You're looking ahead up the road, wherever you can see the road. Like if you're going up a mountain, you look for glimpses of dust or any movement or anything. Cause a lot of racing in Baja and riding is blind. I mean, you're going around corners with high, high trees or bushes and twisty. And, and so I, you know, I thought I saw something up ahead and I kind of on diesel kind of slowed down. It might've been a car or something. I slowed down and there's a guy with a rifle with a purple sock on his head, uh, mask, point rifle pointed right at me. And, you know, I come around this corner and I'm like, I can't go anywhere or nothing. It's just like, I was already on D cell. So I slowed down and, um, two other guys came out of the bushes and, um, they took my bike and they, they pushed it over the edge of the, the, uh, embankment. And, uh, and they, you know, made me walk up the road and then off the side of the road, mm. shot around, he shot around in the air. You know, they all had one guy had a pistol in his belt. They all had some sort of beat up rifle. Um, wow. and, uh, so it was a, you know, it was a wild west holdup basically. <laughs> and so I, I, I go. We go off the road and they knew there was other pre-runners coming and stuff. And so they wanted to make sure that we weren't seen or whatever. And so I, so one guy's like ripping through my fanny pack and he 
you know, he finds, uh, finds my wallet. One guy's trying to, you know, he wants me to take my, unzip my pants. I'm like, what the hell, what the heck's going on? You know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, Does this guy want something else? I go, I'm going to fight. I'm probably going to be dead. So it was a little more intense than that. But, uh, so I, <laughs> he sighed, he sighed, didn't have anything in my pants or whatever. And that's probably literal. <laughs> so so anyway um uh the guy found the money in my fanny pack and then they they told me to go so i ran down to get my bike they still have my fanny pack uh i ran down to get my bike i grabbed my bike and i was going to go back down the road which was you know 10 more miles 10 miles to town or you had to go another 50 miles up and around well they're like no 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 you're going to go up because they knew I went back down and I was closer to getting some military or help to get, go get these guys. So they made me go up and around. So by the time I got back down the mountain, it was like an hour gone and they were long gone. So I, I, uh, I went, you know, told I was, Hey, LR and Dan Smith and a bunch of guys were going to drive up their trucks and go pre-run up there. And I said, Hey, you know, don't go up there. I just got held up, you know? And, uh, so the, the biggest thing wasn't the 500 bucks they got off my, my fanny pack. The biggest thing was some handmade titanium tire irons that the Japanese had given me. And I was so pissed because those guys don't know, even had no clue what those things were, you know? So they're just, those things are probably in the bushes up there somewhere. (laughs) Those things were probably worth about three grand. So anyway, that's, that's the ball 500 holdup story. And, uh, um, yeah, it was spooky. I was, I, I did end up racing, uh, later that, that, you know, week, the ball 500, but I didn't go back up there. They told us at the driver's meeting, they got the guys, but they didn't because I know years later, there was more incidents like that in that area. And since then, I know they did catch the guys because one guy, uh, one guy, I did the guys in jail, uh, based on their eyes and their size one guy had a crazy eye but um gosh yeah so a lot of little details um you know that went into that but uh yeah it was spooky i mean i remember like mountain biking like you know the six months afterwards and you heard like something in the bushes you'd kind of be spooked but eventually (laughs) time passed and i wasn't so spooked but uh, so the year the events later on I had a cop friend that had some, uh, some Kevlar vests and stuff. And so the first couple of times I went back down, I wore a Kevlar vest when I pre-ran and you know, whatever, it was just a mental thing. Uh, but I, you know, fortunately I never had to use them in <laughs> well, that, in that capacity, in that capacity. Anyway. <laughs> uh, amazing. So, yeah, I think it was hinged was on our show. Not uh, a little while back. And he said he showed up to pre-run with you, and you you busted out this vest and put it on. And he he says, "What's the vest for?" And you kind of told him your story. He said, well, "Where's mine?" <laughs> <laughs> You're good. You're fine, Hinge. <laughs> exactly. You're good, dude. Take one for the team. <laughs> oh, right on, man. That's, That's awesome. Good. Well, you guys got a pretty neat event coming up. Uh, a couple weeks, huh? Next month. Yeah, yeah next month, super September fourth. Well, we have actually two events: one in September and one in December. Tell us what you got going on. Yeah, 
So, you know, uh, last year, Johnny and I, you know, we were talking about desert racing and our love for desert racing and everything that it's meant to us and how it's impacted our lives. But we aren't unique. You know, the sport has reached out to just literally thousands and tens of thousands and probably hundreds of thousands of people, men and women over the years. And they just live, eat and breathe and diet. And Johnny and I wanted to do something to give back to the sport. We wanted to bring all the past champions and heroes together and to acknowledge the great legacy and the history of the sport and the accomplishments that they've made. Uh, we wanted to draw attention to the sport of Baja Desert Motorcycle Racing because we don't feel it gets the due attention it deserves along with motocross and some of the other uh, disciplines. When you get right down to it, desert racing and Dirt track racing are the only two quintessentially American forms of motorcycle racing. Everything else came from someplace else. Motocross, enduro, hair scrambles, road racing all came from Europe. Uh, dirt track racing and desert racing were born here in the U.S. It's a U.S. creation. And, you know, we dominated those sports for years. And. So, you know, we came up with the handstands at 100 is the name of the event because it's something that we can all relate to. We had we held our first event last year. We had close to 400 people come and join us for a day of remembering and reunion and getting together. Uh, we had a dual sport ride in the morning, a 100 mile dual sport ride in the morning and then this reception in the afternoon. It was a big undertaking, but well worth it. And. This year, we just decided to split them into two different events and really hold a really kick-ass dual sport ride, which we have in December, 130-mile, tough, long, Baja-style dual sport ride down in the uh, Southern California desert, and then our reunion celebration here uh, in September at Blackmore Ranch, Murrieta, at a, just a stunning facility that has a motocross track there and a dirt track and a motorsports museum, a power sports museum and grassy fields and ponds. And we're having the reunion celebration there September 24th and trying to bring everyone together. You know, this year the focus is on the, about that, the clubs and <laughs> stuff, but um, you know, it's just, it's something to honor our sport, draw attention to it. Uh, you know, we're losing some of the all-time champions uh, are passing before our eyes. We want to recognize those guys be, and, and gals before they're gone. Uh, we want to bring them together. We want to reminisce. But we also want to inspire future generations. We want young people to look at desert racing and young racers to say, hey, you know, I want to be the next Johnny Campbell. You know, I want to be the next Larry Rossler. I want to be the next uh, Jack Johnson. You know, I want I, I really aspire to these things and keep our sport, you know, thriving and going well in the future. I mean, you know, the Heron Hounds and some of the other desert races are doing pretty well, but the really big off-road events, the Baja 1000s, the Baja 500s, even the best of the desert stuff, you know, we need more entries. We need to bring more people out to, 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 to revive the sport a little. And that's what handstands is all about. So, Johnny, maybe you could talk a little bit about the, the focus of this year, what we're trying yes, to do. Yes, yes, Scott. Thanks. That was a that was great. Um, yeah, this year we really wanted to honor, um, you know, the, the people, the volunteers, the clubs, the organizations that 
actually take the time and the sacrifices to put on these events that we all get to enjoy. And so, you know, we were, I, we were just like, what's the foundation? The foundation is the friends, families, the motorcycle clubs that really put their time in. I mean, I know, you know, it's like, I think about all the time that I'm not in a motorcycle club, but I think about all the time that these clubs spend of their own time putting on races for other people to enjoy. And yeah, and you know, it's exciting for them to, to do that, but it's a lot of work. And all these, all these clubs have such a, a deep, rich, long history of all these different events they put on. And, um, you know, and then the organizations like, you know, Moran and district 37, district 38 score BITD NHHA and, and so on. It's like, there's uh, we want to, uh, celebrate them and we want to bring you know these past legends you celebrate them we want you know talk about the present but also a big emphasis is going to be on the youth as well because there is a youth movement in district 37 there's a youth movement in uh in hha and you know these kids are the future of this sport and so i want to make sure that we recognize them so um and um, yeah, and hand stands. Hey, hey, hold on a minute. I got somebody, somebody talking to me. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> and guys, hand stands is kind it's of the uh, yeah. buy a cigarette. No, I don't have a cigarette. Hey, you better go away. <laughs> I, I got some weird guy talking. Live entertainment. Yeah. But hand stands are 100 guys is kind of the platform <laughs> we've created to bring all this together. You know, the event last year was huge. Everybody that came had a really good time. The people got together that hadn't seen each other in decades. Uh, the, the stories that went around, the t you know, the day went by so fast. So that's why we've actually branched it off into two events where the reunion celebration is going to be a full afternoon from like one or two in the afternoon until eight o'clock at night at Blackmore Ranch. We're gonna have some movies that will show. We're gonna have a live band. We'll be doing some presentations and awards to certain uh, champions and clubs. You know, um, you know, there's the AMA District 37 side, all the legendary clubs of District 37 from Sled Riders to Desert MC to 100s to the Invaders to, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on, you know, the, 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 the classic District 37. And then up in Nevada, you know, we've got like the Ground Shakers and Desert People, MC, and some of the elder clubs from Moran and Wild Bunch and different clubs up there. And, you know, we really want to make this a fun day where everybody can come and fly their colors, bring their club memorabilia out, uh, put up their banners and stuff make it look like a desert race there at this park that we're having at and just all hang out together. So it'll be a lot of fun. We're going to have food there. We're going to have uh, beer. We're going to have a live band. We're going to have a lot of activities and different things going on there. And it's September 24th. Uh, there's an events page on Facebook events that you can go to uh, to learn more about each event. And you can, uh, along with links to registration, or you can just go to my website at harden-offroad.com and you can go there and register for the events there as well. Uh, it's, uh, you know, we, 
we just want to get it. We want everybody to come back and enjoy this and have a great time. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a great event. I'm planning on coming down and doing our thing too. That's well, you great. Thank it. you. I mean, talk about a club with some history and some pedigree and stuff there. I mean, ground shakers. I mean, uh, I'm, you know, Mwapa to Vegas. I'm the, <laughs> that was the biggest, one of the biggest races on the desert racing scene every year. And I won it five times overall. I was the winningest rider of Mwapa to Vegas and wow. Caliani Grand Prix in the history <laughs> of Moran. But, you know, I, I lived for that. And ground shakers were a big, big, big part of that. Chargers West uh, back in the early days of the Caliani Grand Prix. And, you know, that's why we want to see uh, representation from all the major clubs and associations there. Right. So, yeah. so help us get the word out. Yeah, we, yeah. I've already been posting it. We'll post it some more. And heck, yeah. Yeah, we appreciate you guys having us on to be able to, you know, promote this thing. So it's going to be so much fun. I mean, last year, the uh, the bench racing and, you know, stories, the old lies, whatever they were, it was so fun to watch these guys go away, to, you know, to go away and with uh, all sorts of, you know, just great experience. So it was super fun. And it seemed like nobody wanted to leave. <laughs> no, they did. You know, at one time I looked around and I saw Mitch Mays and AC Bakken and Jack Johnson and uh, Dan Ashcraft and, you know, just all of these guys that, you know, were just dominant guys in the sport. They're all hanging out, telling stories. Brent Wallingsford, Jeff Kaplan, Johnny. I mean, uh, a lot of the guys, you know, from the 90s and 2000s and you know, we were, it was just amazing to see us, you know, we had the bikes that we had there. We had JM's bike there. We had Malcolm's bike there. We had uh, Tommy Brooks bikes there. We had all the Hondas there, the Kawasaki's, Danny Hamill bikes. And uh, it was just incredible to see all that memorabilia, all those cool bikes, all that, all that history of our sport. Uh, just impressive as hell. Yeah, I, I can't wait. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, 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 what I would tell people is, is you know, that want to come down is again, it's it, the tickets are fifty dollars. We actually have a, a deal with AMA District Thirty Seven club members can come at half price, along with the Los Ancianos. We worked out a deal with them where they can, they can come at half price. Kids under fifteen years old are free. Uh, um, uh, the uh, deals that we worked out with Amy District 30 Los Ancianos is the clubs are actually picking up the other uh, half of the ticket for each club member. They're kind of subsidizing it. So we've worked out deals there to get a, you know as many of those guys out as possible. But kids under 15 are free because we want to get the youth out there, families involved with this. But, man, we really want to see some memorable billions, some you know, old racing jerseys, some club banners uh bikes you know the sky's the limit we have all the space in the world there at this place to set up johnny and i were just there this last week going over some logistics <clears throat> that the, it's a, like being in a park there in like a giant moto park it's hard to describe huh johnny yeah the blackmores do a great job uh you know they got such a awesome museum there and uh I think everybody will really appreciate it. And it's, it's really set up for this type of uh, event, uh, the venue itself. And, 
Yeah, I, yeah, it's going to be great to see all the all the colors of the clubs there and and everybody just having a good time at bench racing and um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and uh, I can't wait for you guys to check it out. Yeah. By the way, we also have resources for people coming from out of town. We can supply uh, lists of campgrounds, RV campgrounds, motels nearby. All of that stuff's available for people that when they register. We send all that stuff out. So if they're coming from from a distance away, they can uh, plan their weekend around. And again, it's on Saturday, September 24th from uh, 1 p.m. until 8 p.m. And that's Black the Blackmore Ranch. What what town is that in? It's actually in Murrieta, which is right next door to Temecula. You know, Johnny lives up in La Cresta, just above Murrieta. I live in Menifee, just near, right next door to Murrieta. So it's all down here in Temecula, just just south of Riverside, about uh, 30 or 40 minutes south of Riverside. Um, great, great area. Uh, this place has giant trees. There should be a lot of shade there where we're doing the actual reception at. There should be a lot of natural shade. They have some giant eucalyptus trees there, and grassy fields that we're going to be setting everybody up in. So it'll be a really comfortable place just to kind of come and hang out. Uh, where we really lucked out on this uh, just going and hanging out there for a day would be enough but uh, we'll be doing a lot of promotion a lot of bench racing a lot of reminiscing a lot of talking about the future while we're there and hoping hopefully getting uh, future generations excited about desert racing yeah i'm excited to have the some kids there and you know display some of their bikes and give them a little shot in the arm you know to like, yeah, this is cool. Look at all these legends. Look at the history of our sport. You know, it's it's so broad and so rich. Uh, I hope uh, we can influence, you know, some kids to be uh, to be the next uh, heroes. Exactly. I mean, it's, you know, desert racing, guys, it's the best sport in the world. And, and unless you've done it and understand it. And I know, Eric, you and uh, Corn Dog know what I'm talking about because you live and breathe and diet just like we do. <laughs> I mean, racing is special. The the distances you travel, the terrain that you race across, the people you hang out with before and after the race, the the competition, the feeling of accomplishment, the challenge. You Mm -hmm. know, there's just nothing that beats it. And nothing uh, like it. Yeah, for sure. And there's no guarantees that any of this stuff is going to stay around. You know, for years to come, unless we try to bang our own drum around it. And that's where Johnny and I are feel very strongly about the need to, to promote what we're doing. We had a lot of press there last year. We had stories in Dirt Bike Magazine, Cycle News, Dealer News, Score Journal did a big article on it. We had a lot of great coverage on the event to help promote desert racing and Baja racing. So that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, we really felt like we started to achieve some of our goals with it and we want to take it to the next level and next level means having more people you know we want to see 500 600 700 people there at this thing and really turn it into a major 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 event yeah very cool yeah very cool very exciting uh yeah we're working on some stuff some stuff for our booth or whatever and i know i'll be giving you a call here shortly after this or next week or something and get some more information from you and see what we can do. Yeah. We appreciate awesome. it. Dog, all your yeah. help and everything. And, uh, 
I know we only have about an hour here and we're getting kind of close and uh, I don't know if it's appropriate or not, but uh, maybe we could end each of us tell our best, uh, our best desert racing story from our careers. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, uh, we could end it with that. Is that, would that be appropriate? One good Baja or desert racing story? Yeah, we have about two minutes left before oh, maybe we got to take a break. So we can either <laughs> take a break and come back, or we can just do a quick story. Well, no, I, I think we accomplished everything we needed to do. I mean, we can always come back and tell stories if you want. If you want to edit them in, we can, guys. Uh, that I'll leave that up to you. I mean, uh, we just appreciate the time to be on the podcast. Hopefully help you grow this thing and get it out there to even more people. Yeah. And, yeah. 30,000, 40,000, 50,000 people or more. That would be great. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, thank you guys for what you're doing for the sport. Well, thank you for, thank you for coming on. It's yeah. our, our honor. Yeah, thank you for being our heroes. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I'm kind of like, you know, um, similar to what you guys are doing with your handstands at 100 and the events that you do, Scott, with the trail rides and stuff. You know, our our idea with this podcast was to capture the history of the sport and have these stories around and recorded for years to come. So, right. Right. Um, you know, that's our idea behind it. And we we really appreciate you guys coming on and a couple legends, true legends of the sport, people that we've looked up to and watched uh, dominate. And we're, we're grateful to have you. Well, yeah, we are. Maybe, you we can, maybe we can set up another one where we come on and just tell racing stories. That would be kind of fun. Tell our best yeah. best desert racing adventure story. I've got some good ones from Africa and Europe and <laughs> Baja. Yeah, that would be great. I know Johnny does. Yeah, we got we got a few in the bucket here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to hear them. Okay. Cool. Well, thank you, guys. All right, guys. Well, thank you, and we will talk to you soon. And can't say, say thank you enough. All right. Thanks, right, guys. guys. Have a good night. Later. Yeah. Right. Thanks for having us on. Good luck, everybody. All right. Good luck. Yeah. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. What an honor to to have those guys on the show. Um, man, to to hear Johnny talk about the uh, the Honda program, you know, from the sidelines, looking at the Honda program, watching the dominance that happened in Baja through the, through the nineties and early two thousands and the development of the XR 650 and, um, and off-road four strokes, you know, and, and the development, of all that you'd have thought that it was a full factory, full funded hardcore program that was just, you know, a legit funded program. And to hear him talk about how it kind of was a side door project and how honestly, if Bruce wasn't, forward thinking and and found a way to to loop it in it never would have happened yeah that's you crazy. know what i mean and i mean the dynasty that took place down there in baja because of of this and and uh i don't know growing up as a kid i absolutely loved baja i don't know what it was but i've always been attracted to that area um you know i i uh i served my mission in mexico city I learned Spanish. I learned the Mexican culture. Um, I, I kind of just have a love for, for Mexico and the Mexican people and the culture there. But even prior to that, I really just loved 
Baja, you know, and I've always wanted to go down there. And so I watched those guys win down there over and over and watched that dynasty. But you would have thought that it was a full-fledged funded program. So that was cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the, the the dedication that Johnny gave to Honda, um, you know, working in the shop just to make that happen. Um, and then to to become the winningest rider in Baja. Some of the things that he did just, yeah. you know. And it, still doing. And still doing, but it was all because of dedication and, and work. I mean, I could see that same opportunity to, you know, somebody else that maybe would have squandered it or not. I wonder, if he even, it, but. I wonder if he even knew that first couple years the dynasty they were going to create. Uh, absolutely not. I mean, you just, you know, you're doing, you're doing what you love. You're doing, it's a passion. It's something you love and you're just any way you can make it happen. You're, you're making it happen. But the way it unfolded and to, to look yeah. back is pretty neat. Amazing. Um, you know, and then for him to go on and, and work for American Honda for 30 years and, uh, you know, develop the JCR Honda team and then and then to take that and mentor a bunch of Baja racers down there and um you know what a program what a, yeah. what a guy and now he's mentoring the the Dakar Rally program and mentored the first American to win the Dakar Rally wow. with Ricky yeah. Brabeck I mean talk about dynasty and and just history and off-road and then Scott too, uh, in his own right. I mean, same same type of thing. Came up, um, fierce competitor, won countless races, and and had some amazing uh, wins and and races over his career. And then went to Dakar as one of the first Americans to compete in the Dakar, and and was one of the first Americans I think to win not the Dakar rally, but one of the other, um, rallies, if I remember right. But, uh, and then he kind of piloted, uh, the Husky and KTM teams over there and developed the American, I think it was KTM at the time, but developed the American team with, um, well, Kellen, Kellen Walsh went down there with them and, um, a handful of other guys, but Chris Blaze, Chris Blaze and, and so, I mean, the, the dynasty that Scott's also uh, had in leading and mentoring young racers, these guys have done a lot. I mean, it's, it's – and that's just scratching the surface. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's kind of the whole thing behind this handstands that they're doing is to promote the history – and to fire up the younger generation to keep this going because if we don't fire up the younger generation i don't want it to die out but they'll be chasing pokemons (laughs) (laughs) right Uh. (laughs) so a little bit about johnny tonight so he's actually in barstow california testing with uh the team and and doing some things but he had to go out side of the restaurant the rest of his guys are in the restaurant and he's sitting in the truck and you can hear you heard it on there but i guess some guy came up to him begging for cigarettes and money hey and man, can i buy a smoke <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that great i mean 
and I kept it in there. I'm going to keep it in there, or we're going to keep it in there. But uh, just shows that we're real people, just like everybody else. But uh, yeah, um, I'm planning on going down there to that stand, handstands, representing the ground shakers, and Moran, and also our podcast. So we got we're going to have a little booth and. And who knows? It's on my calendar. I might uh, slide down there as well. So yeah, come on. If I can pull it off, I will. I know but. Butterfield wants to go. We were talking yesterday, so cool. uh, I just got to get with him and make arrangements. So I'm working on some history flyers or brochures for the ground shakers and Moran. And um, crap, I don't know. You go down there. Maybe we'll even do a a podcast. That's what I'm thinking. Maybe we do a live podcast down there at the uh, Handstands 100. And who knows who we'll run into, but yeah, maybe we can. I'll work on that. See if I can pull it off. Okay. <laughs> um. Well, again, Scott and Johnny, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we will definitely have you guys on again later, like we talked, and just talk race stories. Yeah, we need to get you guys on one one on one, both of you, and um, just get some of your best off-road desert stories and and memories and capture that as well so really appreciate you guys coming on great show thank you and uh we'll see you soon yeah don't forget to check us out on facebook katie eric and instagram the desert dirt biker or you can email us at the desert dirt biker at gmail.com or newly formed our tiktok the desert dirt biker Other than that, hope to hear from you guys. Spread the word, and we will see you at the races. All right, see y'all. Thank you for listening to the Desert Dirt Biker Podcast. Make sure you tune in next time.